Gene and I were watching television the other night and they were talking about the Air Force shooting down all the balloons. Did, did y'all hear one of them was like a, a hobby balloon? It was like, <laughs> it was like some weather enthusiast, some guys who enjoy the, their following the weather and they sent up their balloon and the Air Force shot it down. And I started laughing and Jeannie said, what are you laughing at? And I said, you know, of, of all the times I had to tell my teacher that I didn't have my homework, What I would have given to be able to tell one of them, the Air Force shot my homework down. I had it, and then it just blew up over the Atlantic. (laughs) No such luck. Had to stick with the dog, ate it. (laughs) Nothing frustrates a doctor any more than patients who will not take their medicine. You go to the doctor, you feel bad, so you go to the doctor, and the doctor says, take this prescription. And normally what we do is we take the prescription until we feel better. Then we stop taking the medicine. We stop taking the prescription. So all of us have three or four bottles of medicine uh, in our uh, bathroom cabinets with two or three pills in them because we got feeling better. We didn't take the full allotment of the medicine. So what happens is, because you didn't completely work the antibiotic through your system, you end up with a relapse. So you go to the doctor because you feel bad, but your doctor can't give you any more medicine because according to the insurance, you've just been given that medicine. But you didn't take it. You took the medicine until you felt better. You didn't take the medicine until you were well. Took the medicine until you felt better. You didn't take it until you were well. A lot of us as Christians, we want the good news of the gospel until we feel better. We don't necessarily want it until we're well. That was the message of Peter to Pentecost. Stand with me in honor of God's word as we pick up in the second chapter of the book of Acts, verse 32. Now, God has raised Jesus, and we are all witnesses of this. Therefore, since God has has exalted him to the right hand of God and has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit, he's poured out what you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord declared to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and strongly urged them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day, 3,000 people were added to them. 
Therefore, let all the house of Israel know with certainty that God has made this Jesus both Lord and Messiah. This is God's word for God's people. Hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. So many of us have half the message. We feel better, but we are not well. So we pray this morning for, like among us, we will have what Peter had, the whole gospel. The good news that you were both Lord and Messiah. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Wow, what was going on now? Uh, Now, understand all that had been going on before this moment of Peter's sermon. Uh, There had been a prophet in Galilee, a man named Jesus, who had finally moved his ministry to Jerusalem, and there, when he was in Jerusalem, directly confronted both the political and religious powers. So the political and religious powers agreed that something had to be done with Jesus, and they set the mechanism in place, started the process through which they could deal with Jesus. Jesus cleaned out the temple, ran off the money changes from the temple, and that was the last straw. The switch was flipped. Thursday, Monday, Jesus cleaned out the temple. Thursday, he's arrested. He's arrested at night. He's tried in the early hours of the morning. And before most of his followers know what's happened, before the city can wake up and see what's been done, Jesus has been tried and is on his way to being executed. He's marched outside the city walls, and there he is crucified, and he dies. Now, I know every year we deal with the same thing, that Jesus didn't die. He just passed out. Hear me. His friends knew he was dead. The Roman soldiers made sure he was dead. And they buried Jesus with the anticipation that they would come back to the tomb where they had placed him. Now there was a rumor, a ruffle going around Jerusalem that Jesus was not dead, but he had been raised and his followers had seen him. Nobody knew what to do with this information because it kind of died down for a little bit. And there was a little over a month, about 40 days, where everything was kind of quiet. And now on this day of Pentecost, there is this explosion of passionate preaching by the same Peter who had followed Jesus declaring that Jesus not only is alive, but has now ascended, been brought into the presence of the Father, sits at his right hand, and has released the Spirit, the life force of the Trinity, into the church. And the church is now proclaiming that Jesus is both Lord and Messiah. Uh Uh-oh. That's a bad moment, isn't it? When you realize you have backed the wrong horse. Um, You know, it was disappointing to me to find out that most corporations in America, they give give money to Democrats and Republicans. They split their, their lobbying money between the two. That way, no matter who wins, they can say, hey, we supported you. We gave you money. 
They don't want to be in a situation where they gave money to the candidate who didn't win. Like Jerusalem. You remember in the birth story of Jesus? The wise men come to King Herod and say, hey, we're looking for the one who was born king of the Jews. And Herod was upset, well, because he had stolen the throne and he thought he had killed all of the rightful heirs and now he finds out there's another heir he hadn't dealt with. He's upset and all Jerusalem is upset with him. Why? Because they had backed Herod. Now, Herod may not be the real king. Uh Uh-oh, we've backed the wrong horse. He's Lord and he's Messiah. He's both. And we love that gospel, don't we? We love that part of the gospel where Jesus comes to us, where he loves us so much he will not leave us in our sins that he left heaven, came to earth, lived in our world, died our death for sin and guilt, and now offers us forgiveness. Messiah, the promised Savior, the Redeemer who comes. We love that story. But for most of us, That's where that story ends. With the story of us being forgiven, made clean, but not made whole. See, we love Jesus as Messiah. We're not so sure about Jesus as Lord. What does it mean to have Jesus as owner? That's what the word means. Boss. That's what the word means. You see, we want to be forgiven. We don't want to feel bad. We don't want to feel guilty. We want to feel better. And that's that's okay as far as it goes. We just don't want to be better. In AA, they call this a dry drunk. Have you heard that term? Dry drunk. And that is the person who has started the AA process who has stopped drinking. Okay, stopped drinking. Didn't deal with any of the issues that caused the drinking. Didn't deal with the dysfunctional family. Didn't deal with the wounded self-image. Didn't deal with the anger or the bitterness or anything that caused the drinking. Just stopped drinking. Now, they're angry, they're bitter, they're mad, they're broken, they're just not drunk. A lot of us, we don't feel guilty about what we did. We've been forgiven. But we haven't dealt with whatever it was that drove us to that bad decision to begin with. We like Jesus being Messiah, not so sure about Jesus as Lord. Everybody now in our culture wants to be in charge of their own life. Right? Well, in the words of the great Dr. Phil, how's that working out for you? Okay. Now, if you grew up like I did, Southern Baptist Church, where the invitation was 45 minutes long, (laughs) held over hell like a marshmallow, we, we were told not to sin. Don't sin. Don't sin. So we would be told all the things not to do. 
we would get back together the next Sunday and praise God we hadn't done anything. That is a sad, sad interpretation of the gospel. It's not that you can't sin. You don't want to. Jesus has given you something better. <laughs> you know, uh, yesterday was Chris and Craig's 39th birthday. Our twins turned 39 yesterday. Jeannie is getting old. I don't know <laughs> how that happened, sweetie. When Chris and Craig were born, Jeannie was pregnant. It was awful. Everybody kept walking up to us going, twins? Yeah. Your life's over. And you know what? They were right. There were a lot of things we didn't get to do because we had the boys, or the boys had us, depending on the day. And sometimes we will look at a couple, and, we will, and, we'll, we'll, and Gina and I look at each other, and we'll say, well, why didn't we do that? And then one of us will go, don't you remember what it was like? Right? You'd be dressing one, the other would be sitting in the floor undressing. Right? They figured out how to get through the baby gate. You know the little gate where you put up? You know, oh, no. They could get through that gate in a heartbeat. And the only thing you hear is a pitter-patter of little boys running to the front door like a jailbreak. And us having to put down everything we had going, They're out! And us having to run before they get out uh, at the front door. Usually happened when the garbage man was coming because they loved the garbage man. Now, 39 years later, I cannot think of one thing I lost. I can tell you all the stories about what I got and what I gained. You see, a lot of us think a Christian is somebody who sits and looks at the rest of the world and says, can't do that, it's a sin. Well, you won't go with us? No, that's a sin, I can't do that. <laughs> when the world calls you, they're just asking you to take a better seat on the Titanic. Okay, that's all I want. Didn't you hear what Peter said? Free yourself from this corrupt generation. Okay, this ship's going down. I don't care if you got a first class ticket. The whole thing's going down. Free yourself from this corrupt generation. But if you're going to jump off the Titanic, where are you going to go? It's not enough to leave the corrupt generation. You have to leave the corrupt generation and enter into the kingdom of God. It's a two-part story. Yes, we leave that life behind. It's because Christ is filling us with a new life. Repent, yes. Be baptized. Leave the old life behind. Take the new life that Christ is giving to you. The world tells you, here's love. This is what love is. Everybody wants to have love. We sing about love, write about love, and all that. The world has no clue what love is. Jesus says, I'll fill your life with love so you do not have to crawl 
so that the world will give you a love that doesn't last. Have the gospel. Well, love that part about Jesus being Messiah. Not so sure about this part about the Lord. Not so sure. But let me tell you why it's good news. I tell you all the time, sympathy is overrated. <laughs> you know, some of you, something you're going through, something in your life, somebody comes up and says, I know exactly how you feel. Well, great. Two people feeling bad. I don't need that. Okay? I need someone who can get you out of it. See, the great thing about Jesus being human is he understands our life. The miraculous thing about him being Lord is he doesn't have to leave you there. Yes, he'll take you where you are. He'll take you where he finds you. But thank God he doesn't leave us there. He has the power and the authority because there is no other name above his name. He is Lord to get you out of wherever you are and into the kingdom of God. Amen. Messiah, yes, thank you. Lord, thank you. Some of you have asked me why the mission statement of our church is engaging the whole person with the whole gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why. Because too many of our friends have taken half the gospel and not the whole thing. You simply feel better. but you are not well. Repent. Leave the old life behind. Be baptized into the kingdom of God. Please, I beg you, don't leave this moment with only half of the gospel. Let's pray together. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, maybe you grew up like I did. Maybe you have confessed your sins. Maybe you're ready to start a new life. But that's where it stopped for you. You still fight the old fights. You still have the old struggles. Because while you feel better, you are not well. I know I'm saying a whole lot in just a handful of words. I know you probably have questions. That's why our ministers and our counselors are on the way to the Welcome Center. They'd love to have this moment now to have to finish this conversation, to answer your questions so that you can know that God has appointed Christ, this risen Christ, both Lord and Messiah. Please don't leave here with only half that story. Lord Jesus, every life is now open before you, every heart. So we pray now, decisions we make, exactly what you want. 